What's up, you media family? Vladimir Pragnevsky here, and welcome to episode number 43 of the Ukomedia podcast, where I serve a Ukomedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Today's guest is Patrick Butler. He is a freelance motion designer and a teaching assistant for Animation Bootcamp at School of Motion. Patrick, welcome to the show. Let me know if I missed anything from the intro and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Putting you on the spot there, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, yeah, the intro was good. I really appreciate you having me on the show. This is, I've been listening to your podcast for a little while now, and uh, so definitely stoked. Yeah, an interesting thing. I actually, it's funny, I had to talk to my wife about this one. I was like, you need to tell me because I don't, I don't know what's interesting about myself. But I, um, she actually didn't know me at the time. So when I was in high school, there was a thing they had this thing that was called Mr. My school was Naperville North High School. So it was NNHS. And it was this thing called Mr. NNHS. So it was basically this like mock pageant kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, a buddy of mine was doing it and he was kind of a, he was into like theater and he was just a really silly, funny guy. And he was like, dude, you should do this. Like you should do stand up or something. So I did it and it was very, um, it was fun. It was like, you know, a big crowd of people, you know, it's a pretty big school. And so that was an interesting time in my life. I think I kind of, everybody thinks I'm, I'm one of those people that's like, once you start to get to know me or, or maybe even more, like once I get to know you, I can talk about a lot of stuff and I, I like to be really real, you know, and like get down to earth, but also be really silly and goofy. But like at big parties and stuff, like I'm usually really quiet and people just think I'm quiet. And like, even my mom was like, oh my gosh, like she told me this like years later, she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so worried about Patrick. He's going up, he's doing stand up <laughs> on stage. He's going to, it's going to be horrible. <laughs> I'm really glad she didn't say that to me, but it went really well. And it was like kind of fun. And I've, and since then I've kind of thought maybe I should do stand up a little bit. Like it could be kind of fun, but have you anyways, done it? That, I haven't. That? I haven't. There's a guy that lives really near me. He lives in the same apartment complex and he's been doing it. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to do that. And now he's just been like every month. He's like, I'm going again. You got to go. And I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. (laughs) But so, yeah, that's my little. Now, what was it like to stand up in front of the whole class and do stand up? I mean, this is not something this is not an audience that you don't know. It's easier to perform. Yeah, I think I I think that helped because I think like a lot of the set was inside jokes almost like a kind of poking fun Ah, at faculty and things that are happening in the school. And like, yeah, there was just, it was easy to like tie things together. And then practically being on stage since it was just like in the auditorium and they have all the lights and I don't know, I've never done theater or anything, but it actually is surprisingly easy because the lights are so bright, you can't really see anybody's faces. And the way I did it, like my sense of humor is fairly observational and kind of dry. So I'm just kind of, I have all these thoughts and I'm basically felt like I'm kind of talking to myself. You know what I mean? Like I'm just <laughs> sharing my thoughts and then people are laughing and then you just kind of feed off it. And, but yeah, it was, it was, I kind of looking back, I'm kind of amazed that I did it because I was so young and so like, less mature than I am today. And I don't even think I would do it today. Like I'm like, Hey, ignorance is everything. Why did I do it? Yeah. That's totally what it was. I think it was, I was just, I don't know. My buddy told me to do it and I did it. So whatever. (laughs) 
Did you prepare for this? I'm just curious because I do some speaking for an organization and I'm always curious to, to hear what people do to prepare for speeches. Is it something, do you, did you take time to prepare for this or was this just raw? No, it was totally like scripted. Uh, I, the way I went about it was I knew for months before that I was going to be doing it. I don't even remember how long it was. It was, so it's like a pageant, right? So that my like talent portion was this, other guys would do like sketches or they play a song or it was all, it was all just goofy and really fun. And so I, I don't know what it was like five minutes, 10 minutes, something like that. And what I did was I basically just like tried to hold back for those months. Like whenever I had a thought, I normally would like say some wisecrack in the back of class, you know, or whatever. (laughs) Instead, I just was like, Oh, that's an interesting idea. And I'd like write it down instead of actually saying it in the moment, if that makes sense. So that's sort of how I built up the material or whatever. So scripted stuff is tough, man, because one of those things you plug something in and then you can totally forget where you're at, where you're at. This happened to me. I was at a conference speaking and it was like seven pages scripted stuff with no teleprompter. And I got up and I was doing really well. Halfway through, I decided to plug something in that was, was not part of the script. And dude, man, I totally lost my my way and I didn't know where I was. It was like the longest six seconds of my life. I just remember yeah. thinking, wow, I did not prepare for this. Like I did you know, if there there are things that I prepared for, like if I ever trip, you know, or something like that on stage, I can say things like, Oh, well my mama always said that if you're you know, if you're gonna fall, it's best to do it in front of a lot of people or something like that, you know, just to kind of get people laughing. But I never yeah. prepared for blanking out and that was Wow. I mean I recovered, but my gosh, man, it was like the longest six, seven seconds of my life, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. So, yeah. I think I've had that experience in like speech classes and things like that. And you're just kind of like, oh man, I knew I should have worked harder on this and I didn't. But yeah, even if you do prepare a lot, it still can totally happen. You just blank. Here's here's how it happens. Here's what public speaking is kind of like fighting. I don't know. I grew up in Ukraine, so we fought pretty often, <laughs> unfortunately. But public, I know we're, we're off topic. We're talking about public speaking, but I think this is relatable to, you know, we have to get up in front of clients and present, you know. But public mm-hmm. speaking is like fighting. You get up and you you can prepare all you want. But then it's kind of like in fighting, you can prepare all you want. But the first punch in the nose, dude, you forget everything. You just rely on your instinct, on your, you know, whatever you prepare that goes away. It's just like your muscle memory at that point. You just hope that you practice enough that you can catch yeah. yourself where you are. And the same thing with public speaking. Once once you start speaking at that point, it's just you rely on, on all the practice that you've done. It's not so much on your notes. You just go yeah. with it and see what happens. So that was, yeah, yeah. That was for me. And I learned that the first five, like the first minute is the most important minute of speaking. Like how, how you connect with your audience right away. Like usually I try to get up and I try to start with a joke. If that doesn't go well, I go to the opposite emotion, you know, but get them connected. And if you start out with, I usually like poke fun at my name or say something, I don't know, talk about my name. There's plenty of subject matter there and get people right. to laugh. And then they relax. I relax. And all of a sudden there's this trust and their hearts yeah, are exactly. open and then you just deliver. And anyway, but that's a, that's something that I do. And I'm every day, man, I just spoke somewhere yesterday, a couple hundred people. And I try to connect with one person in the audience in the middle to the left and to the right. And I try to talk to just those people and try to feed off their energy. And I, I think yeah. that they know that I'm talking to them. So they're kind of like, <laughs> they're in it with me, you know? And anyway, so that's, I always experiment, but enough about that. Now let's, let's transition uh, to your journey as a creative how did you get started as a motion graphics guy? Yeah. Okay. So my, okay, let's see. I, I, this could be really, really long or I could try to make it brief. So I'll try to err on the ladder. 
but yeah, so I, I think I, when I was younger, I very much was just kind of floating along and doing whatever. I didn't think in high school about what do I want to study so that I can get into a particular field and do the thing that I want to do, you know, like, so anyways, I went, what really got me into it was I eventually went to film school for graduate school. I went to this program that's out here in San Diego. That's a, it's a master's in film producing. And so at that point in my life, it was a very much my decision. I was like, I'm going to move to California from Chicago. I grew up in the Midwest and I'm going to pursue this because it seems like something that I could be, that I'm good at. And it's really interesting. And it's San Diego sounds like a good place to go. So but it wasn't until that, it wasn't until like after college that I started to really, I guess, just take myself and my life and my career seriously. So my undergraduate to kind of jump around, like this is memento or something. I don't know. When I was in college, I just, I think I declared maybe sophomore year. So like I just went cause it was kind of the next step, you know, and I studied multimedia. So it was just this kind of general a lot of it was broadcasting. It was fun. It had some great teachers and some cool, you know, the faculty and, and the other students. It was it was a good time for sure. But it was pretty general and it wasn't like I never did something and I was like, ooh, I want to do that for a career. So yeah, it just took a long time. And so I was I worked for a company for almost five years. It started off as a production company and it was a startup. So like I lived in that kind of startup-ish small team get it done kind of environment. And it eventually evolved into a publisher. And then it was like our business model was changing every year, which was kind of exciting and crazy. And by the time I left, it was an agency. And at that point, it was pretty much just a small business. Um, it was doing well, but I felt like I kind of had outgrown the position and, and my goals and the business's goals didn't align in the way that they did at the beginning. And so I just went freelance in the fall of 2016 and at that point, I had done a decent amount of just like design work. I'd done a bit of logo design, and I really enjoyed that. And I had done some motion design stuff. I had done a, you know, a, and then, but the majority of it was production. It was shooting video, talking head videos, doing all kinds of stuff, and editing. But through all that experience, I just realized that I enjoyed being behind the computer and like creating stuff from almost nothing more than I enjoyed being on set and then producing like everything that involved with like locations and, and all that stuff. I, that can be really fun. I love the experience of being on a team and having a unified vision and then like making it happen. But practically I just enjoy after effects and stuff more. Um, so that's kind of why I'm here. Yeah. I hope I think that that about wraps it up, but yeah. <laughs> what was it like transitioning from like a full-time job working on a small team and kind of growing with that team to being a freelancer right now? Are you working from home currently? Yeah, I am. And so everything's remote. I haven't actually done anything on site with anybody. The transition was really smooth because I continued to do a lot of the same work for that company, but just as a contractor. So it opened up the door for me to pursue more clients and grow my own business while at the same time I was very comfortable with them and their process. And um, so it was in that sense, it was really, really smooth. I didn't have like a ton of savings or anything like that. I just, it just was like a natural transition. 
so yeah, it was pretty smooth to answer your question. Yeah. Do you ever want to go back to that creative kind of environment working with teams instead of working from home? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very open to the idea of full time. I've talked to a lot of people about this recently and there's been a few positions um, that I've applied to recently. Cause I'm like, you know, it's not going to, it'll take me like what, 10 minutes to, to fill out this information. And, and if it seems like the right fit, it would be really cool to go there. So what really draws me at the moment is like, the main thing is I miss being in a space with other creatives I can and yeah. And so I know there's ways to do that as freelancers. I um, can't remember who it's, I think Billy in Detroit, I know him and a bunch of other people are doing this like little collective and they're all just like freelancers. And I think there's like eight of them and they're all different, different skill sets, different clients, motion designers, but they have that. They're like, Hey, let's get a shared space so we can have that. So I, you know, I've, I've, I've kicked around that idea too. Um, but yeah, I, that's the main thing. And then the stability of it. Like, I think there's definitely a lot of potential as a freelancer to earn a lot more money if you, if you do it, right. if you do it right and you manage it correctly. And, and it makes sense, you know, they're not the clients that I'm working with, they aren't paying for my health insurance and I have all these other expenses. So it makes sense that the, the economics work that way. Um, but you, there is a trade-off, like you don't have a consistent known income necessarily. And so that can be a little tough with budgeting. You know what I mean? Like you're like, well, you know, I could budget this and save all this, but then I could also, maybe I should just budget for the next three months so that I know I'm good. And so those kinds of things can be really challenging. Yeah. It's something to get used to for sure. Especially if you're a family man and it sounds like you are a family man, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've got two kids. Um, How old are your kids? One of my oldest is three and a half and then the youngest, he's a year. He's what? 15, 16 months. Wow. Well, you know, I work from home as well, and so is Sergey. One thing that we do like, uh, you know, just working from home is because we get to spend more time with family and less time in traffic. So that's good yeah. too. You know, I get to have breakfast with them, I get to have lunch with them, dinner, and sometimes they just pop in and say hi. So if, hopefully they won't do that during my interview. <laughs> but if it happens, yeah. I'll introduce them to you. But they're great, and that's what I love working. Just the, even flexibility. You know, I can take off and go somewhere. We're just a couple hours from the beach. You're in San Diego, so you're in beautiful. Uh, weather 24 seven. So you can just take off and, and go. But the downside is that you're, you have to manage your own projects. You have to be kind of, you have to wear many hats and some people yeah. don't want that. Some people just want somebody to tell them what to do and they want to show up, clock, clock out and, uh, not worry about that stuff. And that's understandable. You know, I'm, I can't blame them for doing that. Sometimes I wish mm-hmm. people told me what to do, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely hard. Now let's, let's transition to something different. Let's transition to a dark moment in your life. I want you to tell us the story of your worst moment in your creative journey. So yeah, man. Okay. My creative journey. Okay. Well, it doesn't have to be creative. Just, just life in general, whatever. In my life. Okay. Well, I had an idea. So, well, okay. So this was a few years ago and I think it's still probably the most, I guess, frustrating and challenging project that I've been on. And it's good that it's been years because I try to avoid this kind of thing. (laughs) But basically what happened was this was when I was still working at my previous company. And if any of you guys are listening, you totally already (laughs) know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It was this job. It was actually a really interesting product. It was, um, so the video was for a kickstarting 
campaign for this product that was a really interesting idea. It was like a product for pets and I won't get all into it, but it was kind of a neat idea. So they had a fairly good sized team. I, I, I want to say it was four or five people. One of them was an engineer who was actually from Russia. I think oh, he, he was oh. Russian. So he had a, he had that awesome Russian accent. He was just super smart. He was their engineer and like designing this thing. And then everyone else, mo- a lot of them were family. And so fundamentally what happened was it was just too many cooks in the kitchen and they were also, they had a great product and they had a goal of X amount of, you know, donors or whatever, or whatever the term is for Kickstarter and, you know, whatever, but they didn't have a set deadline. They were just like, we need to make this video so that we can raise all this money so we can get this thing going. They had a prototype, they had all this stuff, but what we realized, I mean, it lasted almost like two years of just like, Oh wow! You know, going concept. through this thing, yeah, it was just like maybe it wasn't that long, but I think it was. It was at least a year, and I think what happened was they put all their, they kind of put too much, I guess, emphasis and hope. I don't know how to term it, but like they put so much into like this thing. The video needs to be perfect. Where they honestly could have just shot a video of them or their engineers explaining the product this is what we want to do. Give us this amount of money for pre-order and then we'll be able to manufacture it and whatever. But instead it was like, this video needs to be perfect. And it was, it was just like rounds and rounds of revisions. And it was just like, it was a nightmare. Did it ever get done? It did. And it's funny because like, you know, by the time we were done, it was just like, we're, we were just over it. And they ended up like taking what we made and like, just like, you know, butchering it together and hiring somebody else to like do different, slightly different graphics. And it just became this kind of Frankenstein's monster of a video. <laughs> and then they used it and then they, they meet, they exceeded their goal by a hundred percent. They got twice as much as they wanted to. And it was like, see, like you just had a good idea. Like you must not even need a video and not to like undervalue what I do for a living, <laughs> you know, but the key to this, and especially for like logo design to go back to, you know, I, I wanted to do logo design for a little while and I quickly decided not to. I think that a big part of what we do as a creative in this field, specifically making videos or whatever, selling products. And if you're designing logos, it's also extremely true. A lot of it, I think is kind of consulting. You kind of got to be like, like, look, like you need, like you need to have a good brand and the brand is not just the logo. I was talking to a guy the other night, Jean from School of Motion. So shout out to him for mm-hmm. talking about this with me recently. So I'm kind of stealing some of his words. <laughs> but basically, you know, we have like the some of the hardest things that I've dealt with as a creative in both in logo design and in video production and video animation and all that stuff has been dealing with clients who are, are t- seem like they're almost too emotionally invested in this specific piece of media that I'm helping them create instead of like relying on their brand and their story or whatever it is. And like, does that make sense? Do you, so like, no, I totally get it. Sometimes it's just, you know what I mean? yeah, good enough so, is good enough and you gotta go, you know, go roll with yeah, it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. And I think I'm still kind of thinking about it. So I don't have a very, um, no, and sometimes, articulate. sometimes it's uh you can get too perfect 
And the project, like you said, the project lasts for two years. And yeah. you, know, you should be as perfect as you can, but give yourself a deadline. And it's like, okay, within yeah. three months, we're going to get this done. And it's going to be perfect the way it's, you know, for, for three months, the, whatever we can do, whatever perfection we can achieve, because the project is never finished. If, I mean, you can have unlimited amount of time of working on a project. If you don't set a deadline, it's going to go on forever. So I think from what, yeah, I would, exactly. what I got out of this story is that first thing first, set a deadline and try to do the best you can to come up with a really, really good project. And if it doesn't happen, then, you know, maybe extend another week or two or something, but not two years. My goodness. <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, our full salary of each year was put towards it, you know, yeah, but it was, know. we wouldn't hear for a month and then it'd be like, okay, like it's still going. So, and I think like after yeah. such a, you know, cause there's this moment where if it drags longer then it kind of drains everybody, everybody completely, you know, all the energy goes away. So while there's still excitement and this fresh energy, yeah. you, you got to capitalize on that. Cause once that goes away and it becomes like this draining thing that you dread working on, then it reflects in, in work as well. And I just think momentum is dropped and, then it's just harder to work on projects. But anyway. totally. Now let's transition to something more positive. Share your uh, one of your best projects that you worked on to date. Love to hear what it is. Definitely. Yeah, I think the key, and I, th- I think a lot of people say this, but it's because it's true. The key is just really when you're working with like a great team. So I'll shout out to Veracity is a company that's out, out in Oceanside, so a little bit north of me. I've done a few projects with them now, and they're just an awesome team to work with. A lot of really talented people, both in the producing and then the creative side of things. So yeah, I did a video with them fairly recently that was really fun. Kind of a very, very simple style, very simple 2D animation and stuff. But just the process was was cool, really good like back and forth. Um, I felt like I was able to bring my expertise and you know they brought theirs and so yeah, I think the best projects are just when the when the teams are really really good communication and really positive, and they um, when when there's a good leader who knows how to have a clear vision, but also lean on your expertise, you know, lean on everybody else's expertise to to execute the best thing possible. So, do you? Yeah, ever cre- and I'm, go on. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, do you ever create? Okay, hidden- I was gonna say when I was sorry. Dude. No, no, go ahead. When go I ahead. was, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was gonna mention earlier that part of my journey was, um, I was a camera operator on a on a film. It was kind of like a student film project at the school that I went to, and that experience was really, uh, really exciting for that reason. Like I had a really good director who, from my experience in that, like. <clears throat> excuse me, a great leader, a great director is somebody who has a really solid vision, but they also are able to uh, get the best out of other people and lean on them for their skills and their talents that they bring. So anyways, that's, I guess that was a second uh, alternate answer to the it. question. No, it's interesting because yeah, yeah. you, you, so you were a cameraman, you've done logo designs, then you do motion graphics. Now, which one do you enjoy the most? Would you ever go back to doing some camera work or some film producing or anything like that? Yeah, it's a great question. At this point, uh, definitely animation. I, I've i always really liked design and, and video and stuff. And so like motion graphics kind of married those two things. And I first discovered School of Motion about, 
oh, whatever, like two or just over two years ago. And I took this, the animation bootcamp course. And that was like a huge, like it was such a huge boost in my creative skills and in my career. But it also was just like really exciting because I was like, oh, like here's a thing specifically that I really like. And it was animation. And so now I'm still kind of riding that high of just like, I really love animation. And it's, it's such an exciting and unique art form. And there's so many different facets to it. So like, I don't know if I ever want to move away from animation. I suppose I could see myself doing design that isn't for motion and stuff like that at some point. But for the most part, that's like, I just love it. I love the movement of, you know, graphics and characters and stuff. It's just fascinating. Now, you mentioned something earlier about the logos. You said you'd never go back to it. I'm curious to hear what, why you wouldn't do that. I think I might, um, actually, honestly. But my experience with logo design was really, it was a much more challenging process working with clients because typically what we were doing was rebranding something that had existed for a while. So it's like, so it's very emotional. Like, like what I was talking about before, like the client, like this is, this is me. This is my baby. This is my business that I've had for whatever, 20 years, 25 years. And I'm asking you to like encapsulate it in a mark. And that's very, um, it's a very valuable thing, you know, like a good logo is, is worth a lot, but it really is nothing without a good brand. And that whole, just that whole creative journey is difficult. It's a lot of handholding in my experience. Like you, you really have to know how to be a good, essentially creative director, producer, whatever liaison to the client. And so it's, it's time consuming, but at the same time, unless you're good at articulating what that is that you're selling and providing, it's hard to, you know, get people to be willing to spend the amount of money for the amount of energy and time that it takes to make it good. Whereas a video, I can do that. I know the process really well. So that, that's part of it too, is I just have much more experience with the production process. And then it's usually not a super taxing emotional thing. Sometimes it is like with this job I just mentioned, but usually it's like, Hey, we're hiring you to do a video and, you know, make it good. And, you know, they have specific goals and try to meet those goals. And then it's, it's gravy and it's, it's a lot less, uh, it can be a lot less dramatic, I think. I don't know, but that's just my experience. So. Do you ever create hidden meanings or messages in your work? I'm curious to, to hear if you do that. I've met some people that do that. Like little Easter eggs yeah, or what? Or like if you zoom in really, really close and you click on something. I've, I've met web developers that did that, like in some animation they've done for the website. And then if you zoom in really close and click on the E, there's something else pops out and says, hey, you know, there's some kind of, or in the motion graphics, I guess if it could be. Oh, I need to do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving you some ideas here, man. Now, that's awesome. It's awesome. Cameo in everything I do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, kind of like, um, like get some directors or who I think it's Hitchcock has like a cameo in all of his films. Like just get my face, (laughs) however small it is in everything I do. (laughs) It's just one pixel. So you can't even see it, but (laughs) it's there. there. I I know know it's it's there. there. (laughs) Have you ever doubted your talent? Like, have you ever, do you, have you ever struggled with confidence? If so, how did you, I guess, overcome it? Yeah, honestly, I feel like I haven't. I think it's, I don't think it's fair to say that I haven't really, but I think because of the way I got into this, 
I hadn't really struggled that much. I think what happened was so like when I was younger, I, I just kind of was very complacent. And then I got more into things, discovered film and stuff. And really it started off like, oh, media is a business, whatever. Okay. So that seems like something I could study and it'll make me money. And I kind of believed the lie of the starving artist. <laughs> That's a whole topic I could just talk about forever. So I won't, I won't touch on that. Um, I'm sorry. What was your question? No, have you ever doubted your talent? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think my journey, I owe a lot to the people around me. Like I, I was a camera operator on a feature film because I had a cinematography class and my professor, he was the director of the film. And he just told me, he was like, I want you to apply to be a camera operator on this because I want you to do it because I think you're good. So like having people tell me these things is typically how I've gotten into the different things I've gotten into. I got into animation, After Effects. The first time I ever opened After Effects, my roommate, super good friend of mine, Nate Sugren, he works for an awesome company. I'll give a shout out. They, uh, Drive Studio is in, uh, I believe they're in Carlsbad here. In, oh, I love uh, Carlsbad. San Diego counties. Yeah, yeah. So they do sports graphics, super good. Check them out. Anyway, so Nate was my roommate for many years, and he was just starting to intern with Drive. He's been there for a number of years nice. now as a designer, motion designer. And so we were both students at the time, and so he was going on to do that. So he was really busy with his internship, and he had this little gig. It was like a, a minute-long motion graphics piece, very kind of like typography-based, whatever. And he was like, I can't do it. And so... I think he referred me, or I can't remember exactly how it worked, but the, the producer reached out to me. Her name was Molly. And she was like, hey, can you do this? And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, I can do it. And so I like, I don't know if I bought it then or if I, I think that was literally the first time I had opened After Effects. But I did it because like other people told me like, oh, I think you could do this, you know? And so I was, so I was like, oh, okay, I can do this because somebody else told me I could do it. So I've, I've been kind of, that's sort of been the story of my creative journey. No, that's a lot awesome. Of, you know, it's good to surround yourself. I did with school like of motion. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's that's been it. That's kind of been the. So you, you get more confidence from people, but at the same time, with every project, you grow more. You become more confident. The more you do it, the more confident you become. Now, what about negative yeah. feedback? How do you deal with ne negative feedback? Does it affect your work at all? <sighs> yeah, I think so. I think negative feedback. I mean. Usually when I get at this point in my career, I feel like I've really learned how to take feedback and see it for what it is. Cause it's like, these people are paying me to do the not thing. Not make it so personal, I guess, not take it in. Yeah. I can't make it personal, but it always is. Right. I usually have to All like, the same way. it affects me. I'll be lying. I, I get the email and I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? That's terrible. <laughs> and but, through email, you know, sometimes you it doesn't, things don't come across very well. And so sometimes exactly. you think that they're saying exactly. it much more harshly, I guess, than what <laughs> What it really is, but anyway. But I'm just curious to you know how how do you deal with negative feedback? Do you, do you take some time to walk away from from the you know? Yeah, usually that's what I need to do. I usually I'm like, oh, I've been sitting in front of this screen for a little too long. Maybe I need to <laughs> go check the mail or something. So right, yeah, take out the trash. Something. <laughs> now recommend recommend an internet internet resource that you find helpful in your work or personal life. Yes, it's a good question. There's so many. Um, 
I guess I just have to say Slack. There's a lot of really solid Slack channels oh, yeah. out there. Definitely. Um, there's the MDA Slack. So that's a big one. Yeah, I'm just going to say Slack. It's good. Use it. Or even just using it internally. If you have a, a team that's remote, like School of Motion, everybody on, on that team were, is remote, and but we're super tight, talking all the time, using Slack. So it's a, it's a really cool tool for sure. Now, what advice would you give to someone who's just trying to get in the industry? Maybe they're in college or high school and they're graduating. If you had to go back in time, I guess, what would you... Uh, what kind of advice would you tell yourself knowing what you know now? Yeah, I think I would say just to like have fun and like just learn as much as you can, like just have, just like make stuff. But I mean, I don't know for me, I think, I think it's probably common for people to just, just not really know where to go now. Like, I guess there are way more resources than you need. Um, so try to be strategic I'm pretty biased, but like, I think doing something like School of Motion or MoGraph Mentor is a great way to learn some fundamentals in a much more structured and effective way than if you're just going to Google search YouTube video, uh, tutorials. It's good to have, you know, have that. Okay. Here's my real answer. Here's my, I just thought it's okay. <laughs> I think, I think focusing on the fundamentals is the key. Like if you can learn how to draw, if you can learn, you know, just, just how to create, how to take the thing from your mind and put it onto paper or onto the screen, into pixels, whatever. Just work on that. Work on design fundamentals, work on animation fundamentals, whatever it is that you're interested in. Because that stuff is software ambiguous or ambiguous? That's not the term. Agnostic. That's just, it's, it doesn't matter what you're using. It doesn't matter how you're doing it. But, but the key is that you, you know, you can see see and uh, effectively portray the fundamentals. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Got it. Fundamentals. No, perfect. <laughs> what about, do you follow any artists like on YouTube or? Yeah. Yeah. I follow a lot. I mean, gosh, I don't know. Like one of my biggest inspirations I would probably say is Jorge, uh, J.R. Canest. Love his, I love his work and his style. Um, so guys like that, um, Shoot, there's just too many. If I start saying people, then I'm just gonna not. You know, there will be people I miss, but yeah, it's a lot of the um, a lot of the typical stuff. The stuff that I'm most inspired by is more illustrative. Oh, gotcha. Illustrative style stuff. So yeah. Now, share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success. Hmm. I think always trying to put my wife first. Smart man. I think that's. That's that's the best way to uh, to be successful, you know. However you want to define success, yeah. Putting other people first. That I guess more broadly it would be that trying to always, because I really I get in my head a lot. I think, and so it's it's easy to forget about other people and get kind of, especially with freelancing. I'm just constantly worrying about when's the next job. When, oh, know, I can really do that. Pay rent. So yeah. So like the best thing to do is to, to try to like serve other people as much as I can. Just like always, always be thinking about other people. And then usually things work out pretty well, you know, whether it's your clients. Or- oh, that's great advice, man. That, that could be a good title for this podcast. Always think about other people. That's uh that's, <laughs> there's the title. No, that's great advice. man. because you know, when you're so self self-centered in a way you, you get yourself in trouble, but when you stop caring about yourself and start caring about other people, things just work out, man. I don't know. It's just, uh, it's been personal experience from, from my life that it's just how it works out when you just 
when you a lot of times people are depressed. I was depressed. I've dealt with depression when it was when I was self centered. I thought about myself, my problems, and it just gets you in a hole that you can't get out of. But as, as soon as you just stop caring about yourself and start caring about other people. It's like depression just goes away. But anyway, that, that was uh, something that I dealt with, but I can't say that's the solution to every pro- every depression out there, but that was the solution to mine. But anyway, so uh, let's. Uh, what's coming up for you next? Is there Are you doing anything, working on any exciting projects or any courses you're working on? Oh, man. Okay, so I, it's been a year. I've TA'd for School of Motion for a year now, and I took this quarter off or this session off, and... Yeah. And so I signed up for the design boot camp, and I'm totally already falling behind. And I have like this, you know, I've got this deadline. So I'm pretty much can't work on it this week. <laughs> but so I'm going to try to work on that. But yeah, it's, um, I was just in LA this past Friday for an event. I try to get up there sometimes because I'm kind of close, but not really. And it was just good to see people. I got to see some people from School of Motion and meet a couple other new people. So, yeah, so I feel like I'm kind of still, um, this is my first day of work after that event. So I'm feeling kind of excited again. It's always exciting to see people in person and like, it's like, oh, okay, like this is, these are real people. Like this is a, you know, there's other people that care about this. Um, so I guess right now I'm just kind of stoked to still be doing what I love to do and always trying to meet new people. And yeah, I, I honestly, being on this podcast, super stoked about this. I really appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. So, yeah. And you almost met up with Sergey in Los Angeles. You, you get sick. I did. Yeah. Right? I wanted to go up on Monday or Sunday or whatever. And I didn't go to Adobe Max, but I was, I knew people were coming into LA and I was like, okay, I got to try to meet people. But I had a cold over the weekend and I was just like, this is a bad idea. I don't want to get <laughs> Sergey or other right. people sick and I, it wouldn't be good. Oh, so. No worries. He would have loved to meet you. Well, I'm sure it'll happen one day, man. This industry is so small. We're going to cross paths somewhere and in your future so i'm not worried yeah about exactly that. now how can people get in touch with you okay so my uh everything that i do it's prb motion so like at that on like whatever and i'm probably on there the r is you know it's my initials prb and then prbmotion.com i think that's my website so and then everything is everything's linked you know it's got all the social media links at the bottom of my website you can you can check me out there that's probably the best so all right patrick well listen thank you so much for your time man i appreciate it yeah thank you this was a blast all right i hope you enjoyed my conversation with patrick butler make sure to visit patrick's website prbmotion.com again it's prbmotion.com all the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at ucromedia.com slash 43. And while you're there, check out our course on After Effects Expressions. We have well over six hours of content all for you. Go to ucromedia.com slash expressions. Again, it's ucromedia.com slash expressions. Don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ucromedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,300 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow, and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Media Podcast. Bye-bye.